Welcome everybody to Trail Tales. This is Tom Funk, your host, and we're going to continue my hike across Michigan's Upper Peninsula. And I am currently in Marquette County on a long and tedious road walk between the Ottawa National Forest and basically the Hiawatha National Forest as during that time period there was no trail between the two points. So I'm with my friend Sean. He has been keeping an eye on me as I've been doing these long road walks. And uh, today is no different, which is August the 6th, 1998. And I'm going to start where I left off yesterday, the gas station at the intersection of M28 and Business M28. And I'm going to end um, at uh, County Road 480 and uh, County Road 553 intersection. Again, 14.9 miles. I'm up to 227.3 miles for the trip. Um, no bugs to speak of, and I'll be on roads and some sidewalks today. Weather, high of 70, low of 60, it's still cloudy, and there's a few sprinkles during the day. I like trees because they seem more resigned to the way they have to live than other things do. Willa Cather. Okay, being tired when I wake up has become a regular, although annoying, occurrence. Um, so this morning, 9 a.m., we roll out of bed. Uh, we probably fell sound asleep when our neighbors finally passed out around sunrise. Since it was cloudy and generally icky, we quickly prepared our breakfast to hit the road. I mosey to the hand pump, uh, which is kitty corner to our site. There's a man with a truck sitting to the left of the pump. He is in a lawn chair facing me. Looks like he spent the night in the bed of his truck. How cool. Good morning, I say cheerfully. He says nothing. Other than a malevolent, defiant stare, doesn't even flinch. What did I ever do to this guy? Go back to the site, load it up with the water I just collected. Hey, Sean, that guy gave me the dirtiest look. Sean is cleaning up our breakfast mess. Huh, me too, he says. We load up and go to the contact station. We've decided to stay one more night. I like these hot showers. Heck, if it weren't for Sean, I'd be sleeping in the bushes or in a ditch during this current segment. Sean comes out of the contact station shaking his head. Hey, there was a report that we, that is you and I, were making a ruckus last night, Sean says, puzzled. Huh, what'd you tell him? I chirp in astonishment. He says, us? Noise? Huh, we were too damn tired to make noise. Well, they asked also if we drove an orange Camaro, and I said, no, maroon Honda, and I pointed to it right out here where we're sitting. I told them that they'd been mistaken. It was our neighbors, not us, making the noise. Well, that probably explains why that guy gave us those looks, I say. The drive into Ishpeming takes about half an hour. I'm dropped off where it ended yesterday. I'm shooting for the intersection of 480 and 553, I tell Sean. Sean replies, well, I think there's a gas station there, if I recall correctly. See you later. And away he goes. Walking through the industrial part of Ishpeming, this is a run-down area, mostly boarded up businesses and homes. One factory made wood basketball court floors and was quite booming. I reached the quote-unquote downtown Ishpeming, which is moderately active. There's people on foot, cars, in, cars buzzing through the streets, and... Uh, Oh, here's some freak backpacker walking the sidewalk. Oh, wait, that's me. 
I approach an intersection, and a small child comes towards me from around a corner. About four, he exclaims, Look, Papa, a bad guy! <laughs> Great. Papa whisks up his child and retreats in the direction from which they came. What was that all about? I see a phone on the corner and proceed to c- cross the street. It is a drizzling, cloudy, and cool day. A good time to make a phone call. My first call is Don, and I leave him a message about my progress. The second call will be Buck Todd. An acquaintance I have through the zoo, Sharon Williams, she set me up with Mr. Todd. He is her husband's uncle, and Mr. Todd is a resident of the UP, uh, and he was uh, up here during the lumbering era as it was winding down. He's about 85 years old, and I figure he'll have some good stories to tell. So I call to remind him of my visit. The phone rings. Hello, says a gravelly voice. Mr. Todd? Yes? This is Tom Funk. I'm the one hiking across Michigan. Oh, yes. I was wondering if tomorrow would be a good day for me to pay you a visit. Yeah, yes, that that is fine, he says, sounding like I just woke him up. I think I'll be arriving around lunch. Is that okay? Maybe spend a few hours talking? Fine, yes, tomorrow is fine, he says. Then I'll see you tomorrow, Mr. Todd. I feel bad I possibly woke him up. Okay, he says. Goodbye, Mr. Todd. Goodbye. Click. The original plan was to end my day's hike at Buck Todd's and spend the night. I am ahead of schedule right now, and I plan to get a little more ahead today. Tomorrow, I can take a short day and visit Mr. Todd and then keep walking after meeting with him and get even further ahead of schedule. First known as Lake Superior location, Ishpeming was first settled in 1856 and took the Chippewa name for Heaven or High Place in 1862. So, in fact, there is a uh, sign in the town that uh, marks the spot where uh, Douglas Houghton discovered iron ore. Uh, this underlying ore caused compasses to spin and led them to explore its cause. In their efforts, they discovered the iron. This sign, white text on black, was located in an inconspicuous place. Plus, it was all scratched and corroded. I think there should be a historical marker here, not the sorry excuse for a sign. Iron ore was a huge economic boon for the area, and all they have to show for it is this dilapidated, nasty-looking sign. The truck pulls over and stops on the right side of the road. I am still walking on the left. He is on the right. And a man leans out, about 40, and unshaven. Need a ride? No thanks. It will defeat the purpose of hiking, I say. Okay. And he takes off. The road is winding and undulates in a way to intensify the pain, pricking my inner soul. I walk by a hospital, go through a few neighborhoods, and at the top of yet another hill, I see a sign that says Nagani City Limits. Nagani was settled in 1846 by members of the Jackson Mine Company. It was first named Nagani in 1858. The name was changed to its current spelling a few months later and is a Chippewa word for pioneer. A second truck pulls up. Where are you headed? St. Ignace. Hop in, that's where I'm going, says the man, about 25. No, I'm really sorry. I have to decline. It would defeat the purpose of me walking. But thanks for the offer, I say. I'm squeezed between his truck and the guardrail. I have about two feet of room to work with. Why are you walking? Something crazy to do, I say. Got that right. You're crazy. 
but to each his own, pops the truck in gear and takes off. I noticed walking that you can actually really absorb all the fine details of the scenery around you. Names on mailboxes, species of flowers in front yards, dog shit on the pavement, house numbers. All through the UP, most of the houses have sheet metal at the edges of the roof with no gutters. This is to facilitate snow to slide off the drip edge onto the ground. Gutters hold back ice, creating an ice dam. Water builds up between the ice and the gutters and backs up on the roof, getting under the shingles. Eliminate the gutters and provide a slippery surface and you can avoid the problem altogether. I chew on my lunch after another ballpark. This one was in better shape. And clean outhouses complete with porcelain seats and horseshoe pits. The road leading out of Nagani was County Road 480, just as Sean said. As soon as it passed an ice rink on the periphery of town, the road became rather bleak. Hardly a house to see. The apron was about six feet wide, which gives me a wide berth between myself and passing internal combustion wheelchairs. Drip. Drip, drip. Drip, 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 drip. Crap. Starting to miss. No, now it's really starting to rain. And I'm usually uh, wearing my uh, polyester pants and shirts, and today is no different. And these can get wet quickly, but they also dry quickly. I've yet to experience a moment on my trip where I had to put on my rain gear when I was walking. These clothes dry quickly, and it is warm, and it's not raining hard enough to warrant me taking my pack off. Um, digging through my stuff and putting on my rain gear. But as I walk, I realize I am reaching that point for the first time in my trip. It's raining, although lightly. I focus on a sign in the distance. I decide if it's still raining when I reach that sign, I'll put on my rainwear. Every passing step, I continue to get wetter and wetter. I reach the sign, take off my pack, and proceed to look for my rain gear. I use a wool baseball cap, green Gore-Tex pants, and a brown Gore-Tex windbreaker uh, lent to me by my friend Don. The rain is now becoming more steady. I continue to fiddle with my rain gear. The scenery around me is quite open. It appears that there, there's a gravel pit on my left and an old asphalt plant on my right. I have been hearing large trucks in the distance. Maybe when I cross this hill I can see what's going on. No forests here, just scraggly trees and some open areas. I finally put my rain rear in place. This will be the first time I position my backpack over this extra layer of clothes. I hoist my pack and loosen the belt. Slip! There goes my pack right to the ground. Crap! I missed my shoulder. How did I manage that? Now I'm getting frustrated and I want to get moving and the rain is coming down a little harder. Therefore, I have to get my pack on. Hey, it seems a little lighter. I walk towards the noise of the heavy machinery and I notice that the rain is lightening up. In fact, it just stopped. Great. It's been a whopping five minutes since I donned my rain wear. I walk a few more minutes and I decide that I'll eventually take it off if it doesn't start raining again when I figure out what's going on with all the noise. So I've, I take off my gear once I figure out that it is in fact a gravel pit and it starts to rain again and even harder than before. I feel like I'm in a Chinese fire drill. I have nothing to lean my pack up against, so I just throw it on the ground. Car passes me, and I put my gear on again and start to walk again, and again the rain stops. Criminy, will you just make up your mind? Rain or no rain? Screw it. I'll leave on my gear. It's not raining, but you know what? It probably will in a few minutes. I reach the entrance of another gravel pit. Sure enough, 
I could see semis, about 20 of them driving around and, and uh, uh, surrounding a gravel pile of mammoth proportion. I would say it's at least 100 acres in size. In the middle, the largest pile of gravel I have ever seen. Probably 10 stories high, 20 football fields long and wide. Just huge. One truck after another leaves the pit onto County Road 480, and another will enter the pit in its place. At this point, the rain has held off for about 15 minutes. I reach a sign near the entrance of the gravel pit on my left. I put my pack down, and I am just gushing in sweat. If anyone tells you Gore-Tex is waterproof and breeze, they've never used it like I do. I take off this rain gear and put the pack back on and walk past the entrance of the gravel pit. Semis are passing me on a regular basis, coming towards me up and from the rear. All from the same company. They all have red hognose trucks, with an all, with, all with a cartoon character painted on the side. Well, that's kind of interesting. I see Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, Tweety Bird, Yosemite Sam, all Warner Brothers. Where's Woody Woodpecker? I make it to the intersection of County Road 480 and M35, hopeful for a convenience store. There was none, just a pair of houses. I'm approaching an intersection which appears to be my daily destination, County Road 480 and County Road 553. There is a mobile station. And of course, I procure my Mountain Dew and beef jerky. Jerky is awesome because it's very salty and salt helps you move fluids through your body. I see Sean sitting in his Honda. What is on the itinerary tonight, I ask? Well, I figure we'll shower up and go into Marquette and to Jasper's. It is a brew pub. Cool. Found out there are four brew pubs on my route. Jasper's is in Marquette, and that will be the first. And there are three more, one in Musing, one in Grand Marais, and one at Taquamanon Falls. You could have stopped there if you would have walked about a half mile into town after the Business 28 intersection, says Sean. Huh, no kidding, just missed it, eh? The other three brew pubs are literally on the North Country Trail. Taking great pleasure in beer, I made a point at stopping at the next three, but I was not sure about the one in Marquette. So we go to the brewery. I hate roughing it sometimes. Sean and I split two pitchers of pale and a brown ale. I ate a Philly cheesesteak, fries, and had me some barley soup. Alright, hiking with Sean has its perks. It's nice to have somebody doing some scouting for you, checking out the sights and, and sounds, and having a companion um, along on this hike. Because think about it, walking 90 miles of pavement would be pretty dreadful by yourself. So again, hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate your uh, your efforts, and uh, we should do this again. And as far as rain gear, I learned a valuable lesson. After this trip, um, during uh, warmer weather, I would use a poncho that would just keep rain off of me. Um, I would only use a jacket and pants in uh, uh, cold weather. When I say cold weather, probably below 55 degrees or so. Um, so that was a lesson learned. Uh, I don't think I put this uh, jacket and pants back on the rest of the trip. I think I ditched it at some point, and I'm sure we'll stumble upon that uh, moment uh, um, later in the uh, story. All right, thanks again for joining me on Trail Tales. I'm Tom Funk, your host. And uh, we will see you again.